0: I love, I love donuts. I'm a bit of a donut snob. I'm a, I'm a Krispy Kreme guy. I know some of you are, are Dunkin' donuts, and that's okay. If you want to sell second class, you can, you can do that. But I, I love donuts. And there was a day, some of you remember these days of darkness, back in the day when Anderson did not have a Krispy Kreme. You remember this? I complain about it all the time. And if you wanted, donuts, there would be times where I would be sitting around my house and I would be like, it's time to make that ride. And we would drive over to Greenville and you would get Krispy Kremes and, and, and it, was, it was a big deal. Like I went out of my way to go get donuts. And everybody in this room probably has something that you would go out of your way to go get. Now now Krispy Kremes and Anderson, I'm like, eh, I don't know. But then somebody told me the other day they deliver on DoorDash Y'all, we might have to get some bigger doors for me because, (laughs) yes. So we we have things that we love to go out of the way for. Now, the reason I said this is because what I'm about to share that Jesus said is not just what he said, it's where he said it. He went out of the way. And when I say out of the way, I'm not talking a drive to Greenville. I'm not even talking a drive to Atlanta. I, I, my favorite restaurant, one of my favorite restaurants is in Atlanta and every once in a while, I drive down there and eat. I'm not even talking about that. Where Jesus went was a three-day walk, not drive, walk. About 90 to 95% of the walk was uphill. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and tap out. I'm gonna follow Jesus, but when we start going uphill for three days, I'm like, eh, think I'm going to take the day off today. So he's, he's going to this place though, and it's called Caesarea Philippi. Now Caesarea Philippi was the place that like religious people didn't go. It was like, it was the furthest away that most of the apostles had ever been from home. And when he got there, he asked them this question. Hey guys, what do people say about me? Who do people say I am? Which is not the question that most of us want to ask. I mean, that's it can get crazy. And they were like, ah. Uh, I mean, some say you're like John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and and then Jesus put them on the spot. He's like, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And all of them were like, oh man. And then Peter spoke up, and as soon as Peter started talking, everybody was like, oh god, here we go. But Peter got it right. It's like one of the, like, I know how this feels. Like every once in a while, you get it right. Peter got it right. He said, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And all the disciples are like, "Mm, I don't know if he should have said that. And and Jesus says this. Jesus says this in Matthew 16, verse 18. He said, now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And I think the reason he said that is to, hey, disciples, hey, everybody, Peter got it right. There's hope for all of y'all, right? He said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, this word church in the Greek means ekklesia. It means a group of called out people. He said, I'm gonna build this movement of called out people. And he said, and death, the powers of hell, the powers of death will not stop. In other words, I'm going to start a movement that's literally going to change the world. And the apostles that were with him, they had no idea what he was talking about. They were completely clueless. I mean, they knew there was a they knew there was a Rome, Italy, but they didn't even know there was a Paris, France. They didn't know there was a London, England, and they didn't know there was a Honeopath, South Carolina, right? It's about the same thing. So they, they didn't know about any of these places. They just knew that Jesus was saying, I'm going to start a movement that changes the world. And if you're here today, if you're watching online, it, here's, here's what's crazy you're a part of this prophecy coming true. Even if you walked in here today and you didn't wanna be here and you walked in with both feet on the brakes, (laughs) you're still here. Jesus said, I'm gonna start a movement that nothing's going to stop. But it's not what he said here, it's what he said next that I believe is the greatest prophecy of all time. I believe there's not a prophecy in scripture that comes close to this prophecy. The prophecy I'm about to share with you, if it doesn't come true, then there's no reason for us to be in this room this morning. This is what Jesus said, just a few verses after. He said, I'm the Messiah. And they're thinking, this is kind of cool. He's gonna be the king. They thought he was gonna be an earthly king. They were gonna go to Jerusalem and they weren't gonna be like the the president, but they were gonna be on the cabinet, you know? So they they thought we're gonna be pretty important that Jesus told them this. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly. I love it when he makes it plain, don't you? I mean, he'll make it plain that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. Well, of course, we gotta go there. That's where your kingdom's gonna be, right? And that he would suffer. Wait, you're gonna what? Yeah, suffer. Well, pause for the person in the room or for the person watching online that is suffering right now. Jesus gets it. He understands. He suffered. And and so when we lean into him, we're not bothering him. He 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 gets that. He said the Bible said he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. Don't miss that. The good people killed Jesus. The people that bragged about how righteous they were, they were the ones that killed him. The bad people didn't kill him. The good people killed him. But this is but he would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Now, the, the, the disciples, I said disciples and apostles together, and it came out the apostles, so there's a brand new word for you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> the, the apostles didn't understand what was going on at this moment. They didn't, they didn't get that Jesus was saying, I'm going to get killed. Pause. Lots of people have predicted their own death. If you study military history, you'll see soldiers riding their friends or family or their their wives or whatever, and they're like, hey, I will not live through this battle. I know this is my last battle, and they died in battle. Lots of people predicted their death, but, but only one has predicted their death, resurrection, and pulled it off. See, Jesus didn't do what dead people do. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus came back to life. Now, understand this. If this doesn't happen, we're not here. Without the resurrection, we would have no Bible because there would have been no reason to write the story about Jesus. We wouldn't have known what Jesus said. We wouldn't have known what Jesus did. There would be no church. There would be no, none of this would exist. What we celebrate next week at church, the resurrection, is the reason that we can have hope as followers of Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, just kind of tell you, I have people, I don't know about this, and I don't know about this. I I'm just gonna go with what Jesus said. Because the guy that used to be dead and is now alive, that's who I follow. So with all of that in mind, two weeks ago I shared seven signs that Jesus is gonna, I think Jesus is gonna come back soon. Y'all remember that message? Anybody? Yes, okay, four people. It's great. All right, so <laughs> there's actually eight. But but I saved the eighth one for today because this is the way I wanted to finish the series. Jesus said in Matthew, by the way, because of Jesus said this, then I believe everything he said. Just every, if he said it, I just believe it. So this is what he said, Matthew 24, 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it and then the end will come. By the way, I just, I just wanna point out, Jesus said the good news will be preached throughout the whole world Do do you know I can reach the whole world with one device in my hand? It's never been possible in history. It's never been possible. But this is what I believe. I've been reading a lot on this. And many scholars believe that Jesus here and in other places is saying there's gonna be a worldwide movement, a worldwide awakening. Like millions and millions of people coming to Christ before Christ returns. And what organization do you think Jesus is going to use to accomplish that? His church. I meet people from time to time going, I don't like the church. Be careful about talking about the bride of Jesus. I know what I'll do to you if you talk about my bride in a bad way. Think about Jesus, all right? Now, I love to read. I'm a a nerd, I love to read. And I've read a lot on this topic for the past two years. I've been studying it like crazy. The experts say, and by the way, can we just pause and say if we've learned anything in the past two years, we've learned this, there are no experts. They just make stuff up. You can make stuff up and be an expert. Six feet apart, they admitted. They had, I don't know, somebody in a room going, I don't know. Six feet, sounds good, write it down. CDC, experts, like experts, they just make stuff up. Y'all remember they had to scrub in our Amazon packages? Gotta scrub it, we might get the COVID, right? Experts. Well, the experts are saying that the church's best days are behind us. The experts are saying that the church was on life support in America and the pandemic just sped it up. But as I look around this room and as I see our online numbers and I see last service, I think the experts are wrong. I don't think the experts get to say what happens to the body of Christ. I think the body of Christ gets to determine what happens to the body of Christ. And I believe that God wants our church along with lots and lots and lots of other churches to be a part of a worldwide awakening where we see millions of people come to Christ. I say, they don't get to define us. I say, Jesus gets to define us. And I say, Jesus has called us to make a difference in the world. So with that in mind, I've got three things I would like to invite you into. Number one, let's get engaged. Some of y'all are like, did he just propose to me? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that kind of engaged. I'm, I'm talking about let's get engaged. Now, speaking of that, next month, Shannon, my wife and I, we've been married for a year. Can you believe that? We made it. A year. How'd that how'd that first year go? How's it going, Pastor P? Well, it's all right. You remember your first year of marriage? You having to define some boundaries and some rules? First day she came in, I said, Let me let me tell you how things are gonna be in this house. <laughs> Whatever you want, we'll just do that, okay? That's that's I had to let her know who the man was, right? Now, people have asked, and we'll share the whole story sometime. It's fascinating. But people said, oh, when y'all, when y'all met, was it love at first sight? Mm-mm, mm-mm. True story. She ran from me. <laughs> Baby, am I making this up? Did you run? Thank you very much. <laughs> I had a friend that was bringing her, and they was like, hey, you need to meet my friend Shannon. I was like, okay, I didn't know. I was like, hey, how are you doing, Shannon? She said, I'm great. I'm great. I was used to that. I was in middle school. I got turned down so many times, it wasn't even funny. So I was like, okay, that's normal. But I, I wasn't even interested. I didn't think she was interested in me. But then the, our friend, our mutual friend was like, no, y'all should talk sometime. And so um, second time she ran again, not making that up. And then finally we talked, we, I texted her. And three days later she texted back and I was like, oh shoot, what do I do with this? She texted, I felt like I was in middle school again. I'm, at the time I'm like 40 something years old going, I gotta text, oh my gosh. Do I, do I text her back immediately? I don't want to text her back too fast, but I'm texting people about the text. you ever do this? Oh my gosh, what do I do? And we, we had dinner. It was fine. With it. And then one night, one night, this is when it all changed. This is one night when it all changed. This is when I knew it was about to get crazy. We were sitting there, and I was like, listen, I don't even know what we're doing. Like, we're just talking, we're having dinner. I said, I don't even know if you're attracted to me. And she said, I am very attracted to you. And I said <laughs> So that's that. We—it was a process. is what I'm saying. It was a process. It was a process, and everybody knows if you've met somebody special, it's a process. It was the same way with church. For me, it was a process. Like when I went to church, I was like some of you. I went in with both feet on the brakes, going, "I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know." It was. I started going to church right after the Jim and Tammy Faye Baker thing happened. Some of y'all remember that? I was like, I don't know, man. Wife's hair is kind of (laughs) big. And when I went, I said, listen, I'm going to go. But they don't, they better not ask me for anything. Anything. I've been going for about a month. They said, "You, you need to get involved. I was like, I am involved. I show up. They said, that's not what we're talking about. Next thing I knew, I was in a room full of sixth graders, vacation Bible school. That's what involved was for me. I would go by the office. I started helping stack chairs and stuff. I, this is what happened. Slowly but surely, I got engaged in the local church and it changed my life. It's why I'm here today. It's, as I look back, I can't believe they let me do the stuff that I did. Like get involved. Work with sixth graders speak on Wednesday. like I, I'd never had done any of that. and it happened slowly but it was a it was a process. Now in the scriptures, we're called to be a part of a local church, a part of the body of Christ. and Paul, who is right in the church in Corinth, which is super messed up, okay? I mean, if you, I mean, every church in the scriptures is messed up, but Corinth, they're like, really? I will talk about that sometimes. But but this is what he said, and this is fascinating that Paul uses this imagery. Here we go. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. That's true, isn't it? That there's people in this room, that are like, there's nothing in the Bible that's true. That's true. Got them. All right. Let's keep going. Verse 15. If the foot says, pause, if your foot says, (laughs) we got problems. All right. We've got a program. We'll get you in. All right. If your foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it Any less a part of the body. Now, Paul is saying this, and I think he's got a smile on his face because everybody reading this is going, oh, that's ridiculous. And then he says this, if the whole body were an eye, pause, that's one of the scariest things I've ever read. (laughs) That's Stephen King on steroids right there, right? But he said, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Then he said, but our bodies have many parts, And God has put each part just where he wants it. You are a part of the body of Christ on a macro level, and we're all called to be a part of a local church. You are a part of the body. Now, when I was like seven years old, I lived on the Mill Hill and Easley, and we had a bunch of like crazy dogs around. There was one dog named Bruno, and Bruno got mad, I don't know what I did to Bruno, I probably did something, but Bruno attacked me and tore this right ear, like nearly tore it off. Like I came home, and crying, my ears dangling, my, I mean, and so I got rushed to the ER and, and I, I know what it's like to have something torn off and sewn back on. But imagine that happened today. Imagine like you go home and for some reason a crazy dog attacks you and like tears your ear off. Nobody in this room will go, well, I mean, this ain't all bad, I got some teenagers, I've been wondering what they're talking about. So I'll take my ear, stick it in their car. That way when they drive around, I'll know what they're saying. First of all, there's an app for that. But second of all, nobody in here would go, that's a brilliant idea. No, no, if you separate the ear from the body, what happens to the ear? It does, because it's got to be connected to the body to function, right? In my first youth group um, that I ever led, it, I had a kid in that group. He was such a good kid, but he was accident prone. Like, every, like he, he, he got struck by lightning one time. He shot a nail gun through his hand one time. I'm not making this up. This kid was a walking accident, which that should have told him, don't work with a log splitter. But one day he was in the mountains working with a log splitter and he had his hand on the log and he pulled the log splitter down. Mhm. I said, what happened? He said, I looked down and my finger was on the ground. I said, what'd you say? He said, I probably don't need to tell you. He could tell me now. But but like, he, he said, I probably, I said, what'd you do? He said, I picked my finger up put it in my pocket and drove to the ER, the, the Pickens ER. He said, I walked in, <laughs> lady by the way, he's like, ma'am, I need to see a doctor, I need to see a doctor. She didn't even look up. She said, fill these forms out, I love it. He took his finger and just put it in front of her. <laughs> said, ah! But let, let me tell you what he did. Some of y'all are like, oh God, this is gross. Let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't say, you know what, this ain't, this ain't all bad. My finger's there on the ground. I'm just gonna take it home. I'm gonna put it on the coffee table. And if I wanna change channels on the TV when I'm in the kitchen, I can just use my finger. In fact, if it had been another finger, he said, when I'm driving, I don't even have to take my finger off the steering wheel. I can just use that finger, right? Nobody in this room is thinking that's a good idea because you know if your finger gets chopped off, if it's not reattached to the body, what happens to the finger? Yes. To and there's some people in this room, and am watching online, that you're not thriving in your walk with Jesus. You know why? You're not connected to a body. I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you, you gotta get connected. You gotta get connected to a body and God God has given you a spiritual gift and you are way too valuable to sit on the sidelines and waste away. God has called all of his people to be connected to a local church. Now, now, hold on, hold on, because I I know the excuse, I know the excuse. I know what you're gonna say. Came ready for it, but I'm busy. I understand. You know what? This church, this church right here, has been built by busy people. I want to tell you, people that don't have anything to do scare me a little bit. This church is full of busy people. Busy people, but if you're too busy to participate and what Jesus has clearly called us to do, then you're too busy. The way I thought about it was this. I had, I, how many of you have ever gotten a gift card? Somebody gave you a gift card for Christmas, birthday, and, and, and some people go, oh, I don't give gift cards, it's impersonal. But some of those people, that you're like, no, please, give me a gift card. It's not the gift, it's the thought that counts. Quit thinking, okay? But you get the gift card, and, and if you... Now I've done this before, and you've done it too. You get the twenty-dollar gift card, right? And it's for Applebee's. Um, and you go and get the Bourbon Street steak with the Oreo shake. Hey, okay, yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe it's fifty dollars, and you got the fifty-dollar Applebee's gift card, and you put the tip on it, and 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 it was forty-two dollars and eighty-seven cents, and you just take the gift card and you bring it home, and you don't you don't think about it the next time you go to Applebee's, right? In fact, there are people in this room. You got unused gift cards. Somewhere in your house, don't you? Visa gift cards, Outback. And, and I read this on the internet, so we know it's true, because Abraham Lincoln said everything on the internet is true. There's around $15.3 billion worth of money on unused gift cards. Could, could you... Uh, What could you do with $15.3 billion? What could somebody, I'd like to find out. Now, there's always one person going, you'd have to pay taxes on that, and that's why you have no friends, all right? We're glad you're here, but you have no friends because you're that way. Now, if we think about this, if there's that much money being wasted on gift cards, what's being wasted in this room? There's some unused gifts waiting, just wasting away in this room and you are too valuable to waste away. Which leads to number two. Let's ask people to come sit with us. Let's not just invite them to church, that's easy. That's easy. I can invite people to church. You should come to my church. So, oh, I will. You should go, oh, I will. No, let's ask them to come Sit with us now, I was talking with somebody the other day and it's kind of funny. We we're talking about Anderson, South Carolina, how rumors get started in Anderson, South Carolina. We like to think we've grown do you know a ri- a rumor can get started in this town so fast and uh, he w- he had had some rumors uh, and he was like i I called you because because I felt like you knew what this was like and I was like I was little so little, just a little, just a little. We're kind of going back and forth a little bit. And, and it caused me to think about a rumor that I've heard about me that's absolutely true. I wanna confirm it for everybody just so you'll know. You, some of you have wondered this about me. And I'm gonna go ahead and confirm it for you so you'll know. I have heard about me, I have heard from multiple sources that all I want to do is reach people and grow guilty. I want to reach people for Christ. I believe following Jesus makes you better, and I think it makes you better at life. I think people that meet Jesus have more hope and more peace and more potential than they did before they met Jesus. If it's okay, I mean, why is it okay for QT to want to expand its business all over the United States and we call them successful, but a church wants to grow and we call them a cult. If there's anything on the planet that should want to grow and reach people for Christ, it's the church. We have the message of the resurrection. Of hope. And I'll tell you at the end of the day, The reason I want to grow and reach people for Jesus is because the local church changed my life. Jesus, through the local church, changed my life. And at the end of the day, it's not just my idea. It's called the Great Freaking Commission. I threw freaking in there for free. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus said it in Matthew 20, verses 18 through 28, verses 18 through 20. He said, Go into all the world and reach all creation. Mark 16, 15. He said, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Luke 24, verse 48. said, you are witnesses of these things. John 20, uh, verse 21, he said, "Uh, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. And we're called to take this message of hope and joy and peace to a world that is more desperate for hope and joy and peace than it's ever been. So with this in mind, with this in mind, I wanna give you three things to pay attention to. This is not original with me. I heard somebody else teach on this several years ago and I heard him teach on it again uh, recently. and It was so brilliant, I said, I'm just ripping that off. It's called the three knots. If you're gonna invite somebody to come sit with you, they'll tell you, you'll know, they'll make it obvious. You'll hear one of the three knots. Here's the first one, I'm not in church. What COVID's done to America, is it like, it's like somebody took America and, and you know those snow globes? You know what I'm talking about? It's like did that and everything's still settling. Everything's still kind of getting settled. But people moved out of California and New York in droves. They just, they just started pouring out. Now the two fastest growing states In the United States is Florida and Texas. I mean, people moved to Florida. But every list that I've seen, every list that I've seen, South Carolina's in the top 10. South Carolina's in in the top 10. While we're in the top 10, I've tried to figure that out. Has to be the jockey lot. Dead serious question, how many have never been to the jockey lot? Never been, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your high, raise your high. Okay, look around you, you have a discipleship opportunity right there. If, if you've never been to the jockey lot, I wanna tell you it's the only place in the world that in one room you can buy a box of Little Debbie's, a craftsman drill, and a duck. Like a real, like a duck, like a literal duck. Like a real quack quack duck. You can, People have, moved to, people have moved to South Carolina and, and you know what, a lot of those people, I, you know what I've heard, I've heard a ton of? I'm not in church, I'm not in church. Where you go to church, I'm not in church. When people say I'm not in church, that's, not, that's an opportunity to say, why don't you come sit with me? Come sit with me. And, and it's not like, uh, you sit in the same place every week. I know when you're here and I know when you're not here, like you sit in the same place. Come sit with me when they say I'm not in church. When they say, things are not going well, you'll hear that. Hey, how you been doing? Things are not, well, things aren't going, things are not going well. Hey, you should come sit with me at church. Now, I know what you're thinking because I used to think this. I, you know, oh, we're talking about the end times. If things are not going well, you come in and hear about the end times, you're probably gonna drive your car off a cliff. But let me tell you something that I've learned. When a person gets into a place where they had experienced the presence of God, the Holy Spirit takes over and does stuff that we can't understand. I was standing in the lobby one Sunday and I preached this message. A couple comes up to me, they're weeping. I said, thank you for the message today. God showed us we need to work on our marriage. I didn't mention marriage in the entire message. Didn't say a word about it. I didn't say, I'm getting a word. There's a couple here, wrestling with your marriage. That would have been weird, right? But I didn't, that, that didn't happen. And when they left, it, God reminded me, is like, hey, you think people up there are listening to your words, but when it really works is when they're hearing my words. So, so if things are not going well, that's a great. And by the way, I just wanna throw this out there. We're the church you can come to when things are not going well. And I say that because there's so many people that say, I got to get my life right to get back in church. Not this church. You come in all busted up and broken down and barely making it down the aisle, you'll be on staff next week. (laughs) Three, I was not prepared for. All of us have stepped into a situation like this. I was not prepared for. I was not prepared for... Children. I was not prepared for life without children. I was not prepared to lose my job. I was not prepared for aging parents. I was not prepared for the doctor's report. I was not prepared. Hey, you know what? I understand. You should come. You should come sit with me. You should come hang out. And and I want this to be the place. Next week, I want this. I almost said I want this place to be packed next week. It's kind of packed right now. Um, but I, I want it like all, there's no reason that all three services aren't over because Easter is an easy invite easter and christmas and i love my church sunday and hoodie sunday and time change sunday and like, like we figured some stuff out all right number three number three let's stop making excuses they've got quiet have you ever worn something that you probably shouldn't have worn I'm just talking to the men. I'm not asking the women. I'm just, I got a teenage daughter, and one of the benefits of having a teenage daughter is they ain't ain't scared. About a year and a half ago, I came. It was on Sunday morning, and Karis was with me that weekend, and I came walking out of my bedroom. I was all dressed, and she turned around and looked at me. She said, you aren't wearing that, are you? (laughs) We're going to church. I went, no, absolutely not. This is my... Pre-game outfit. I I get dressed first, and then um, and then I then I put on my real outfit. I'm gonna go. What uh, you wanna pick something out for me? But isn't it funny how insecure a 14-year-old girl can make you? Like Mean Girls. That's a documentary, right? That's that really happens. But there's some, some there's some things that just don't look right on certain people. Like for example, men. I'll I'll just leave it with the men. Some of y'all. You, you can put on a cowboy hat and you look like a cowboy. You look like a man's man. You look awesome. Some of us put on a cowboy hat. <laughs> and bless your heart. <laughs> I just leave it right there, alright? I'm going to go ahead and tell you this, though. Self-righteousness doesn't look good on anybody. And we gotta be careful because we're all just a little bit self-righteous in some area. Politics, sports, we church people, We gotta be so careful because we will scream about somebody else's sin and so we don't have to deal with our own. It's a distraction. And and I just want people to stop making excuses. And and the reason I say that is because there's some people in this room, and listen, you've been hurt by people who wear robes of self-righteousness. I get it. I heard a guy say this recently. It's so true. Bad Christians happen to good people. And and you've been hurt by church people. But let me tell you something. I want to tell you something. I want you to listen. Listen good. If you hang out here long enough, you will get hurt. Not because we're trying to hurt you. It's because people hurt people. And the only reason we're doing, the only reason we do it is because we're human. We've all been hurt, and we've all hurt people. But being hurt by someone is not an excuse to take your ball and go home. When there's like four billion people on the planet that we need to reach, so I understand if you've been hurt by church people. In fact, in fact, Jesus, Jesus talked about that. Jesus in Luke 15, he's getting ready to tell three of his most like. Like his greatest hits, "Law," "Parable," of the "Lost," "Sheep," "Coin," "Son." He said that. Watch this. Luke 15:1 says this: tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Pause. I like that. Those are my people. Not just sinners. No, 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 no. Notorious. A notorious sinner would be somebody that's known for what you did. Anybody in the room connect with that? Because your boy. Okay, anyway, so notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. These are my people. They they wouldn't go to the temple, but they would surround themselves with Jesus because you've heard me say it before. People that were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. And Jesus liked people that were nothing like him. But, But verse two says, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I love this. Jesus was not scared of guilt by association, neither should his church be. You know who's coming to your church? You know, you know who came? You know who showed up? You know what they do? You know. Listen, man, I'm I just, I got my own stuff. This, I want this place to be a place where anybody can walk in. Will you get hurt? Eventually. Not intentionally. Let me say this the uh, second excuse is, and I wanted to bring this up because um, I, I've never really talked about it. I don't know that I'll talk about it that much, probably ever again, but like in 2016, everybody knows what happened to me. I got fired. And you know what? I own the fact that I made some poor decisions and some bad mistakes. I, got, I own it. I own it. But about three or four times this year so far, I've had a couple of people mention to me that the reason they're not going to get involved in church again is because when that situation happened, I hurt them. Now, a couple things on this. If you really want to compare hurt stories when it came to that situation, I would love to have a conversation. But second of all, if I hurt you, if I did, if that hurt you, I apologize. I'll own it, but listen to me. Don't use my sin as an excuse to be inactive and unproductive. Don't Don't do it. You don't have permission. Listen, I've, I've moved on. If you haven't, that's, that's on you. The third, third thing is some people are like, well, it's not church people that hurt me. It's not you that hurt me, Pastor P. It's God that hurt me. Oh, I get that. I, I get it. Let me tell you why I get it. It was my excuse for years. Because at 11 years old, when my mom got cancer, I prayed that God would heal her. God did not heal her, God took her to heaven and, and I was mad at God because God hurt me. In other words, this is the reason I was mad at God. God didn't give me exactly what I asked for. Do you know that that's a blessing? Because if, what if God had given you everything you've ever asked for? So, so I, I had to get over that whole God hurt me thing I had to stop making excuses. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. What's your excuse? Some of y'all knew this was coming. You came in, the little red card was on your seat. You're like, freak, we picked that Sunday, God. But I'm saying this, I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. Motivation by guilt, is horrible. Bring out a little kid, y'all see Cindy? Four years old. She's going to hell because y'all won't volunteer for kids. She starts crying. We set her on fire. Like that, like that, that. I mean, we get it. I want to work with children. I, I don't want that. I don't want that. I want for you to understand that you add value to the body of Christ, that Jesus has something he wants to do in and through you. And listen, if that's not happening through you, then something's not getting done. And you're not connected, and if you're not connected, you're not fully alive, and at the end of the day, I want you not just to attend, but to be fully alive. Because, here's the cool thing about the whole Jesus thing, we're gonna circle back around to the resurrection. Jesus coming back to life is a big deal. Here's why, if you're a Christian, Jesus lives in you. And if Jesus lives in you, that means nothing that you face will ever be stronger than you. Nothing. Paul said this in Colossians, verse 127. He said, Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. What does Christ in us mean? What does Christ in you mean? I wrote this down just for me as I was kind of praying through and thinking about this sermon. I wrote this down for me and and I just, I wanna share it with you because this is what Christ is to me. This is what Christ is in each one of us and this is what Christ is in our church and he's called us to be a change agent in this community. He is the breath of life. He is the fire by night. He is the one who makes a way. He is the one who will always stay. He is our healer, he is our provider, he is our peace, he is our strength. He is our hope, he is our power, and he is faithful to meet our needs. His love is unconditional, his grace is amazing, his pursuit is relentless, and his plans are immeasurably more. He brings dead things to life, he will not let you go, and there is nothing or no one he cannot restore. And in him I can live, in him I am never alone, he is my rock and my redeemer. He is my cornerstone. That's what Jesus is for me. That's what Jesus is for you. Christ in you. If you have Jesus living in you, what is your next step? For some is to get plugged in to a local church. And listen, listen, I want you to listen to me. If this isn't your church, I'm okay with that. There are 500 churches in a 30 minute radius of this church. Find one and plug in. We have no excuse. You are way too valuable to sit and do nothing. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I wanna ask for every single one of us in this room just to be open, God, just to be open to what you might wanna say or do in our lives. Heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you could just Hold your hands out and just say, Jesus, I'm open. I'm open to what you want to do. I'm open to what you want me to do. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. And you know that's your next step. You know you need to ask Jesus to come in your life. If that's you and you... He's not your cornerstone, but he needs to be. Then right where you sit right now, whether you're in this room or you're online, I want you to pray this in your heart. I want you to pray. Just say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, you on the cross and, rose from the grave and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. For my sin. And, right now, Jesus, and right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Jesus. Come in and take over.
1: With heads bowed and eyes
0: closed, in this room right now, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life, do me a favor and put your hand in the air. Hold it real high because I wanna pray for you. I wanna celebrate with you in the room. Amen, amen, all over the room. If you're online, amen. Father, I wanna thank you for these lifted hands. I wanna thank you, Jesus, that you changed lives. I wanna thank you, Jesus, that you spoke to us today. I wanna thank you for the person that you spoke to that has drifted away, God, that you brought them close. I want to thank you that you spoke to the person that's been hurt, God, and that you spoke to them and told them you're going to be their healer. Father, I want to thank you for the person that feels all alone, that you've reminded them, Jesus, that we're never alone if we're in you. And Jesus, I want to thank you for your unconditional love, your unconditional grace. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? I'm super glad you came. Fill out your card if you want to volunteer. And don't forget, next weekend is Easter. We love you. God bless. Have a great weekend.